Hallelujah. Well, turning your Bible this morning to the book of Romans, chapter 8. Romans, chapter 8. Let's pray and release faith today. Father, thank you today for your word. Father, I thank you that every ear is anointed to hear, every heart's receptive to hear. Lord, we purpose to be doers of the word and not hearers only. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Romans chapter 8. We'll start reading in verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. How many know when you follow the, what the flesh is prompting you to do, there's going to be death in your life? He says, though, that we, through the Spirit, do mortify. Another word for that is kill. Kill the deeds of the body, then we shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of a bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Verse 16, the spirit itself, or other translations say himself, bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So last week we began talking about learning to be led by the Holy Ghost, learning to be led by the Spirit of God. And so now as believers in this new covenant, we have a better covenant, the Bible tells us over in Hebrews 8, 6. We have a better covenant than they had. And that's another word for testament, Old Old Testament, New Testament, Old Covenant, New Covenant. And so we have everything they had plus even better. And so in this new covenant, we have something better. We can be led by the Spirit of the, Lord, the living God. In the New Testament, as opposed to the Old Testament, we see that they were led. First of all, there were only three people that had the anointing of God upon them. That was the prophet, the priest, and the king. But in the New Testament, not only do we have the Spirit of God to come upon us, but he's in us. He's living on the inside of me. And so that, that communication, I don't have to go to a prophet to, like in the old covenant. You know, even in the new covenant, a lot of people like to go to prophets, don't they? You know, I had to go see the prophet. I had to go see the man of God. And there's nothing wrong with that to, to see the, the, the man of God that speaks in your life. But I don't have to go to a prophet to get direction in my life. Yeah. Oh, prophet, what should I do? Should I buy the Ford or the Chevy? Should I, should I buy this? Should I buy, you know, because in, in years gone by, there's been abuses in those areas. Yeah. Things that were different movements like the shepherdship. So, you know, you couldn't do anything without asking the pastor. You couldn't do anything without asking the man of God. Thank God we live in a better covenant today. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. And so we're led by the Holy Spirit who indwells us. We are led from within. So when we talk about being led, what is being led? That means getting guidance. I get my guidance from within, not from without, from the outside. 
So what the Lord does is he leads us by his spirit within my spirit. And last week we talked about how God leads, number one, by the word of God. Number two, the inward witness. And then thirdly, the voice of the Holy Spirit. The, and so the number one way God leads us is by the inward witness. And we said this, that the inward witness is a, now I didn't bring this up, but I'll say it now, that inward witness is a co-witness. So you have something on the inside that you've, you feel like the Lord is leading you to do. Then the Holy Spirit comes and has a co-witness. Someone else is in there witnessing with you. Yeah, this is the way to go. And I likened it like this. When you're praying about something, what does that witness seem like? What is, what is that witness? Say that you're praying about something. Lord, should I take this job? Should I do this in life? Should I take this career? And you have a, for lack of a better word, you have a good feeling about it. You know, you, you have this, this warm, I don't know if you say fuzzy feeling, this, this velvety-like feeling, some people have said it. Well, that's the go-ahead. Yeah, you go ahead and do that. But have you ever prayed about something, and on the inside it's like a buzzer goes off or like a, like a stop sign or like, oh, man, I just feel sick about that. What is that? That's the inner witness saying, don't do it. Kind of like in slow motion, don't do it. <laughs> that's what that inward witness is. So you had to learn to lead it and, and follow that leading on the inside of you. Hallelujah. So the Holy Spirit is always endeavoring to lead us. We just have to learn to follow. And so this is the primary way he leads us, but there's other ways that he leads us and that he speaks to us. So I want to just share this morning along the same line about living life led by the Holy Spirit. Living life led by the Holy Spirit. And first of all, let me say this. Always keep the word of God first. Always keep the word first. This goes for if anything that we, any leading that we experience from the Lord, always go back to the word. And so I want to share seven keys this morning and believe God with me that we'll get to all of them. If we don't, that's fine. But um, I'm believing God that we'll be able to get to all of them. Number one is judging by the word. And this goes in line with what we've already shared. But the Bible tells us over in 1 Thessalonians 5.21, prove all things. You know, I like to check things out. You know, just don't, don't accept something at face value. Check it out. You know, if you're buying a car, yeah, the car's really good, man. Well, you, you better kind of check it out. You know, it's 10 years old or whatever, and you're buying this used car. You want to make sure that, yeah, it's really what they said it is. Check it out. Prove it out. Well, when it comes to the things of God, prove it out. Uh, one example that I like along this line goes back to um, 1934. Now, I wasn't alive then, but that's 40 years before I was born. But... Um, Kenneth E. Hagin said that he, um, and we've got many of his books. One, one of the things we're going to have in the new church building, we have a bookstore. And so I'm looking forward to having that and have some good material 
for people to feed their faith. And, um, but anything that you can get of uh, Kenneth Hagin is great. And, but I heard him say this in Bible school and, um, over 25 years ago. And he said that um, he, um, of course, was bedfast at 17 years old. And right before his 17th birthday, he was totally bedfast for 16 months. So he, uh, he got born again, was reading his Bible. And, of course, he was helpless. But he acted upon uh, Mark eleven twenty four, prayed the prayer of faith. God healed him. And so he was healed for a couple of days. But how many know when you're, you haven't uh, moved for that long, you're weak? He was down to 89 pounds. And so he said that um, he was like a corpse with skin on it. And uh, he said that what he did was he told his mom, Mom, I want you to get my clothes out. So just two days before, she had to bathe him, you know, just in right there with a, a cloth and Get this out, get my clothes out. I'm going to, you know. She said, are you sure? She said, yeah. He said, yes, I'm, the Lord's healed me. So he said, don't tell anybody. Well, they lived there, and uh, he was there at his grandfather's house. And he said, you know, every, every morning at 730, you'd hear that, that uh, porch swing creak. He said, you knew it was 730. He said, if your watch didn't say 7.30, you better reset it because you knew it was 7.30. That was grandpa. And he said that they were all seated at the table. He goes down there and he said, uh, his grandpa was a man of few words. He said, is Lazarus raised? Has, you know, is Lazarus raised up? He said, yeah, the Lord's healed me. And that was it, you know. <laughs> That's all he said. He said they ate, and so in 15 minutes they were done. He said he went upstairs and just lied across the bed because he was still, you know, exerting any energy out. He was really weak. So there he is. He's laying up there, and he's laying down. He says suddenly he woke up. He thought his mother maybe had come in the room. You know, like you feel someone's presence in the room or something. And I'm not talking about something weird. You know, you, you can tell if somebody's standing behind you or something. So he said... Um, this voice spoke, and to him it was audible. And it was a real deep, monotone voice, like this. For what is your life? It is but a vapor that appears for a while and vanishes away. Well, how many know that's the scripture? Over in James. And then the voice paused and said this. And today thou shalt surely die. He thought God was in the room right there. But how many know the devil can quote scripture too? So there he was. His mother came in. You want something to eat? No, even the smell of food made him nauseous. So anyway, he went on. And from, he said from 8.30 to 2 o'clock, he just waited to die. And so what he did is just sat there. And all of a sudden, something came up from within. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Yeah, but that voice spoke to me, and so he just dismissed it. With long life will I satisfy him a second time. Yeah, but that voice spoke to me, you know, that must have been God. The third time, with long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. So what he said was this, who said that? 
not not just the voice, but like, yeah, he's like, who said that? Not not just the, he didn't know it was a verse, actually. So he said, who said that? And the Holy Spirit didn't say, well, it's me, the Holy Ghost. You know, the Bible says he didn't speak of himself. But whatever he hears, that shall he speak. So the Holy Spirit spoke up and said, the 91st Psalm. So Brother Hagin said, who said that? He said, the 91st Psalm. So he thought, the 91st Psalm. He didn't even know that verse was in there. So he got in there, run his references, and, and he started seeing where the Bible said, with long life will I satisfy him, the last verse. And then, the, then the, the enemy, who always comes with doubt, he said, yeah, but that was just for the Jews. So, oh, now the light goes out again. Then he starts running these references. He goes all the way through the Bible. And so he just stood up. He said, Mr. Devil, he said, that was you speaking to me. But he said, I'm going to tell you what. I'm not going to die today. I'm not going to die tomorrow. I'm not going to die the next year. I'm not going to die the next five years. I'm not going to die the next 10 years. I'm not going to die. He went all the way to the next 55 years. I'm going to make it to at least 70 or 80. And he, he passed away at 86 in 2003. But he, fight, he fought the good fight of faith. So why am I saying that? A lot of people would have just died right there. So judge things by the word of God. Always come back to the word. If the word contradicts what you have, there was a lady who, she was in a full gospel church and she got kicked out of every full gospel church in that particular city because she was always wanting to push her revelation. Well, let me tell you what my revelation is. A minister said, I want you to open your Bible, turn it to this passage. Okay, now turn it to this passage. Gave her like five different passages. It said, everything contradicts what you're saying. So that can't be God. Yeah, I know, but I was praying at the altar. He said, I don't care if you were praying on top of the church. It doesn't make it right. So if, if it's not what the word says, then just forget it. Amen. I don't care if you were praying at the altar. I mean, no. You know, a lot of people make a lot about dreams. I'll just tell you personally. I'll know if the Lord speaks to me. Because a lot of the rest of them are just too crazy. I admit I have crazy dreams. You know, you, you're, you just dream stuff. And if I tried to spiritualize every dream I had, I'd be in trouble. Amen. I know if it's God speaking to me. And a lot of people worry themselves about it. Well, what does that mean? Nothing. Too much pepperoni last night. That's all that was. So number one, judging by the word. Talking about keys to being led by the spirit. Number two, become God inside minded. Become God inside minded. How, how do I know the Lord if he's speaking to me? Well, he's not just going to speak out here. He's not just going to speak something out. He's not going to write words in the sky as a usual thing. So if he speaks to me on the inside then I have to be God inside minded. And if you look over in um, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, I'll just read this real quick. Verse 16, he says, And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, 
I will dwell on them. So, you know, when we make that statement many times, and there's nothing wrong with the statement, but specifically speaking, this building is not the temple of God. It's not the house of God. We are his house. And so he says, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. So God indwells us. So I had to become God inside minded to be led. Why? Because if, if I'm thinking anything else, I'm not looking out here in the natural. You know, the Bible says in the Psalms, um, I look unto the hills to where my help comes from. Well, I'm not looking to the hills to get direction in my life. I'm looking on the inside. I mean, that's a lot of believers. They're just, they're looking away off, you know, over. Let me look up to the hills and see if I can see some direction out there. No, you're looking in the wrong place. Look on the inside. If you're born again. Can you say amen? amen. So, number three. Feelings are the voice of the body. Feelings are the voice of the body. Don't go by your feelings. You know, you may not even feel saved today. You may not even look saved. Well, I just don't feel, I don't feel right. You know, I don't, I just don't have that. Don't go by feelings. Do you always feel like going to work on Monday morning? <laughs> I got to take my son to a track meet or, or drop him off tomorrow morning. They leave at 5 a.m. Do I feel like that? Probably not, but it's still so anyhow. Amen. We had to get him there at quarter till five. <clears throat> so feelings, you could write this down. Feelings are the voice of the body. If you don't believe it, just pinch your neighbor and see what they do. That's the voice. <laughs> That's the voice of the body, isn't it? Feelings. I just feel. I just feel like God heard me. What's that got to do with it? I felt lousy sometimes, and I knew God heard me still. Because his word said so. Why? Because I prayed according to his word. So feelings are the voice of the body. Reasoning is the voice of the soul. Reasoning is the voice of my mind and my emotions. Let me just reason this out. Let me think. And there's nothing wrong with reasoning. There's nothing wrong with using your mind. God never told us not to use our mind. You know, sometimes people say, well, I just wish I could shut my mind off. Well, you know, God still tells us to use our mind. Just don't be led by your mind. Gather all the information. Think through I mean, some people need to use their mind more than they do. But in the final analysis, I need to be led by my spirit. What is the Holy Spirit telling me to do? Why? Because he says, don't lean into your own understanding. I heard about one man many, many years ago. He said that he, in all his years of investing, he never lost a dime. He said that there was times that he, see, he would pray about things, and people knew that he would invest money. So they would come to him for that end, 
to, to invest money. He said he would tell them all the same thing. Well, you know, let me pray about it. And there'd be times that things would look really good on paper. Oh, man, you, you'd be a fool not to get involved with this. He said, but I haven't witnessed. Don't do it. And I never did. He said there'd be other times that it looked like, don't do it. He's like, boy, you'll, you'll lose your shirt on that one. You know, you'll, you'll lose all that you ever had. He said, but something on the inside, I felt good about it. He said, I invested. He said, in all those years, I never lost a dime. Wouldn't everyone like that testimony? That they never lost any money on, on something like that. But he learned to follow his spirit. So thirdly, conscience. Your conscience is the voice of your spirit. So feelings are the voice of the body. Reasoning is the voice of the soul. But conscience is the voice of the spirit. You know that Paul said he always obeyed his conscience. So that's why the Bible tells us that we should always keep a tender conscience. You know what um, Paul talked about people that, that put away faith and, and, a, and a good conscience. It said that they put away, and it said they made shipwreck. What does that mean? Your conscience, have you ever had your conscience bother you about something? That's the voice of your spirit. Obey that. That's why you have to learn, and this, this ties into number four, keep a tender conscience. Keep a tender conscience. What does that mean? Always listen to what the Holy Ghost is saying and what he's dealing with you. Hey, you need to forgive that person. You need to forgive. You need to let that go. I'm going to have my way. Well, go ahead. You'll have it, all right. But here, I want to just include these two things when it comes to having a tender conscience. Be quick to believe and be quick to forgive. Be quick to believe. Well, you know, I, I can't believe that at all. I, I don't say those words. I can believe anything that I should when it comes to the Word of God. But also be quick to forgive. Quick to forgive. And um, if you want your prayers answers, you have to do that. You have to learn to forgive and forgive quickly. Hallelujah. Number five, talking about keys to being led by the Spirit. And I'm just going to use this one phrase that the Apostle Paul used over in Acts chapter 27, if you want to look there. And it's this word, I perceive. I perceive. Acts chapter 27. Whether you realize it or not, this is one of the most important things you could ever learn as a believer is being led by the Holy Ghost. And, and many churches don't, don't teach these, these things. Maybe they just don't know them themselves, but it is critical that we, especially the day we live in, that we be led by the Holy Ghost. Amen. Acts chapter 27, look in verse 9. Now, when much time was spent and when sailing was now dangerous, 
because the fast was now already passed, Paul admonished them and said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with much with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading and ship, but also of our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. And if you, as you keep on reading, we see that this huge storm came up. And it said that they were leaving port. There was a very soft wind. Oh, and everything, what's that preacher know? That's probably what they thought. What's that, what's that preacher know? You know, the, the, real nice and calm. But the Bible tells us that this storm comes. And at the end of it, verse 21, Paul said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me and not loosed from Crete and to gain this harm and loss. Now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life. So God saved them uh, because he, that Paul believed God. And he prayed and this angel spoke to him. But I want you to notice what he says here at the very beginning. Sirs, I perceive. Notice he didn't say, God spoke to me. Notice he didn't say, I had a vision. He didn't say, um, I had goosebumps or I had a you know, feeling of this. He just said, I perceive. And I believe that every Christian should have a certain amount of spiritual perception. Amen. Just a perception that you just, you, you pick things up in the spirit. You know, you can go into a place and you can realize, you can go into a city and you just realize what kind of spirits are, are predominant in that area. Not because you have a word of knowledge, but you can just perceive now, a lot of people, though, yeah, a, lot, a lot of people have other gifts that they, they employ, and they say, well, you know, I'm just, um, what's the word people always say? Oh, they just have, they have discernment, they always say. But a lot of people, their, their definition of discernment is fault-finding. You know, I just have the spirit of discernment, then the only thing they ever discern is problems in other people. <laughs> they just discern, you know, well, this one and that one. And, you know, that's, that's called fault finding. Well, you know, every unbeliever has that gift. So we're not talking about that. But he says, I perceive. How many know I perceive is not spectacular? In fact, many times you can, you can override the witness of the Holy Ghost. Because it seems so natural. Why? Because there's been things that we've done and, and the, the sky did not crackle with thunder. You know, a prophet didn't run down the road with a beard to tell me. You just, you follow the Holy Ghost. And what is that? It's just a witness. But it also can be a little more authoritative. Like we see with, with Peter in the Bible, it says that the Spirit said, under Peter. So you just have to listen to the Holy Ghost. So that's why you just stay in the Word, stay prayed up, and let the Lord speak to you. So, as I said, it's not spectacular, but sometimes it can be. And these last couple ones we'll spend just a little bit of time on, these can be more spectacular. But, like we've said before, many people are looking for the spectacular in 
meanwhile, they're missing the supernatural. Why? Because the inward witness is supernatural. It's not real flashy, though, is it? People want flashy. Why? Ooh, you know, just like. (laughs) And I'm all for anything that the Lord's doing. But this is what's more common. But I want to share a couple other things here. Number six, guidance through prophecy. Guidance through prophecy. Why do we need to know these things? Because the Lord will speak to you any way that he needs to get to you. If you're open and if you're hungry. You know, I, what's, what's awesome, I believe, is the Lord in his love and his mercy will speak to you to get your attention. You know, many years ago, back in the, um, I know back in the, um, like in the healing revival, the Lord spoke to Brother Hagen uh, about one of the leading ministers. And he said, um, you go warn so-and-so that he's not going to live much longer unless he judges himself. And so anyway, he said, well, he said, number one, he has to judge himself on love. Number two, he has to judge himself on money. And number three, he has to judge himself on diet. And he said that, um, because, you know, the Bible says if we would judge ourselves, we won't be judged. But when we're judged, we're turned over. We're actually turned over into our enemies, but then to be chastised. You know, I don't want to be turned over to the chastening of the Lord. I want to judge myself. And so anyway, he said that, um, he said he went to go talk to him, but then he got busy. This minister was talking to another person. He said, Lord, I don't want to do that. He's liable to slap me in the face or something, you know, if he doesn't walk in love. And... um, So anyway, it happened, and he died at 38 years old. And people thought that was really going to discredit the healing movement, but it didn't. How many know it it wasn't God's fault that he died? But the Lord said in this prophecy, there was another time that that, um, another minister, Brother Hagin was praying. He said... um, Two years to the day, I think it was two years to the day, uh, one of the leading, who he said that it was actually a, a time of prayer and, and they were praying and he started prophesying. And the Lord said this, he who stands in the, in the forefront of the healing revival shall be taken away. He shall make a false step and Satan shall destroy his life, but his ministry and work shall follow him. He was talking about William Branham. And William Branham stood at the, uh, the office of the prophet. And so he actually began teaching gross error. But here's what I, I'm getting back to right here. The Lord is faithful if you have an open heart. If, if you're not hearing it, he'll turn up the volume. If, he, if you're not hearing it, he'll send people to you. And in fact... Some, some of the people that were privy to that situation knew 
that the Lord sent certain ones to him and said, Brother Branham, you're not a teacher. You know, stay in your office. He could get more people saved by accident than some people could on purpose because that's what his ministry was. He would be preaching and he would see this angel and he would minister in supernatural ways. But he started saying, no, I'm not a teacher, but I want to teach. He said, yeah, but I want to. And it cost him his life. To whom much is given, much is required. And so I say that to say, keep a tender conscience and whatever it takes, God, God will lead you through all these different avenues. He'll send people to you if it takes it. And so God is through prophecy is what we're starting to talk about. Look over in Acts chapter 20. I thank God he's that way because I've not always made it right. <laughs> I've, I've missed it in life before. And so it's so awesome when the Lord sends people to you to help you. That's why I supported people in church. If people would just hear the word of God on a continual basis, it would keep them straight and, and in line with his plan. But Acts chapter 20, verse 22. We're talking about guidance through prophecy. Notice what Paul said. This is his farewell message to the church at Ephesus. He says, Now behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesses in every city. He does what? He witnesses Witnesses to his heart, that inward witness in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. Paul, what's the Holy Ghost been talking to you about? Well, there's, there's bonds and afflictions waiting for me. Uh, can you pray again? <laughs> Especially if you're, you're a traveling partner with Paul. Paul, what are we going to do next? Well, the Holy Ghost has already told me there's going to be trouble ahead. How many know I'd be probably rebuking that in Jesus' name? No, I'm not going to have any of that. But that's, that's what was going to happen. So I want you to turn over to chapter 21. So here Paul is. He already has the witness of the Spirit that there's going to be trouble coming. And see, that's one of the things that's, that's to our advantage. Many times, because the Bible says the Holy Spirit will show us things to come. He'll show you things that you can change. And there's other things maybe you can't change, but you can just get ready for it. How do you change them? You change them in prayer. You pray about them. You change them. That's what Hezekiah did. <clears throat> You're going to die. Set your house in order. What did he do? He didn't say, oh, this is it. No, he, he turned his face to the wall. He cried out. And then the, the Lord spoke to him. And to the prophet and said, turn around, go tell him I'm going to, I've heard his prayers, I've seen his tears, I'm going to add 15 years to his life. Well, did God miss it? No, but that was a conditional prophecy. It was based upon under these certain circumstances, this is going to happen. If you keep going this way, this is going to happen. How many know if you keep, if you eat a whole apple pie every night before you go to bed, this is going to happen. Under the circumstances, unless you change it, right? Yeah. Well, unless you, unless you change it, this is what's going to happen. But thank God he did change it. So there's things that we can change and you just have to pray about. And so 
whether it comes to your family or what, there's things you can pray about. There's other things you just have to get ready for, but the Holy Ghost will lead you. Like I heard one minister said, every person in his family, without exception, he knew two years ahead of time that they were going to pass. And what did that do? It allowed you to make sure they were ready, that they were ready to go home and be with the Lord. Hallelujah. But notice here in, in Acts chapter 21. Look in verse 4. <clears throat> Paul, when he, he was uh, on this ship, he got off at the, the city of Tyre. And it says, in finding disciples, we tarried there seven days. Notice this. Who said to Paul through the Spirit that he should not go up to Jerusalem. So what did these disciples do? They told him, Paul, don't go up to Jerusalem. And it says, and when he had accomplished those days, we departed and went our way, and they all brought us on our way with wives and children till we were out of the city, and we needed to kneel down on the shore and pray. And so we see that Paul goes on. See, what a lot of people think, in fact, skip down to verse 8. And the next day, we that were of Paul's company departed and came into Caesarea. And we entered into the house of Philip the Evangelist, which was one of the seven, and abode with him. And the same man had four daughters, virgins, which did prophesy. And as we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. And when he was coming to us, he took Paul's girdle, or we could just say like a belt, and he bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owns this girdle and shall deliver him to the hands of the Gentiles. Now that's the same thing the Lord was telling Paul, wasn't it? That bonds and afflictions are coming your way. And when we heard these things, both we and they of that place besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What mean you to weep and to break my heart? For I am not ready to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Verse 14, And when he would not be persuaded, we ceased, saying, Now Paul, you just go ahead and miss it. You just go ahead and disobey God. No, he says, When he would not be persuaded, we ceased, saying, The will of the Lord be done. See, they were not even persuaded that what they told him was the will of God. I like what other translations say in verse 4 where it says that they said to Paul through the Spirit. Other translations say this, by impressions of the Spirit. But let me just tell you this. You can have impressions of the Spirit that are correct, but you can put interpretations on that that are wrong. You can put an interpretation on something that was genuinely right, but then make it totally wrong. Well, it must mean this. I heard a minister say this one time. He said that he was praying about being a pastor at another church. He was already at a certain church. And he said, Lord, because he said, I don't want to go to that city. I don't like, I like, the, I love the people. He said, but I don't like the town. I don't like anything about it except the, the, the people. 
So you knew it would be supernatural. So he, he, he prayed about it and just said, you know, Lord, what do you want me to do in this situation? And the Lord spoke to him and said, you're the next pastor of that place. And, and he said, and it's the last church you'll ever pastor. He said, I could have interpreted that many different ways. Oh, I'm going to interpret that, that, oh, I'm going to pastor there and I'm going to die. Or, you know, I'm going to go there and I'm going to quit the ministry. You know, he could interpret that many ways. But actually what the Lord was doing in him, he was preparing him to leave pastoring and to go into field ministry and travel as an evangelist and a minister in that regard. So how many know, don't, don't just put the wrong interpretation on it. Yeah. Hallelujah. So a lot of people think, well, Paul missed it here, but just a few verses later, you'll see over in um, Acts 23, 11, that Jesus appeared to Paul and said this, be of good cheer, Paul, for as you have testified of me in Jerusalem, so must you bear witness also at Rome. Don't you think that if, if Paul would have missed it, that Jesus would have addressed him? said, Paul, you did pretty good, buddy, but you missed me there. No, he said, hey, you were supposed to go to Jerusalem the whole time. And just like you've testified to me there, there's other places. So you can have an impression of the Spirit. But the best thing to do is just wait on God. Let the Lord bring it to pass. If you're not sure to take a step, then don't. Don't do something just out of pressure or just because something needs to be done. Just wait on him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So understand this. Spiritual things can be misused just as natural things can be misused. So we're talking about the gift of prophecy. God can lead you through prophecy. But let me say this once again. Prophecy should only confirm what's already been spoken to you by God in your own heart. Notice it's not information, it's confirmation. It's like, wow, I, I never knew that. I, I didn't know I was going to go to New Zealand as a, as a, um, a minister and, and preach down there. Wow, I never... I thought I was going to stay in the States. If it's information to you, if God hasn't been speaking to you about that, then just forget it. Right. Amen. God's intelligent being. I've always thought this. I'm an intelligent being. God's an intelligent being. He'll, he'll tell me when it's time for something else. Amen. And I don't have to worry about it. Amen. <laughs> so just a couple of things about prophecy. Be very careful in life about personal prophecy. I believe in personal prophecy. But it should only confirm what you have in your spirit. It should be something that God's already musing in your own heart. Why? Because people have gone bankrupt over listening to wrong prophecies. Ministers have lost ministries over wrong prophecies. And never get married because someone prophesied you should. How many know you, you need to, to find out about that person? Like they always say, go find out how he treats his sister. If, 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 if a lady likes a, uh, or a girl likes a boy, go see how 
he treats his sister or his mom. And if he mistreats them, then your time's coming too. Amen. Go look at the, the parents. You know, it gets real quiet when you start talking about these things. <laughs> but don't go into the ministry just because of a prophecy. Hallelujah. I heard a story about a young man who was praying and he was in the, um, what was like a storm cellar. And, you know, it was like a basement and, and made it into like a livable basement. And, uh, you know, not all the basements are as nice as they are in North Dakota. I mean, they're like really nice. Most ba basements are like a project in the works, you know, for 20 years. And um, anyway, something that you just store a couple things in. But this, this young man was there praying and said, because he felt the call of God. And he heard the Lord speak to him and says, I'll confirm the call to you tonight in the service. So the, the minister was praying around the altar after the service at, on a Sunday night. And this happened um, in the afternoon at 3 o'clock. And this minister was praying as he was laying hands on him and said, this is the, and the word of the Lord came to him and, and said this, this is the confirmation that I'm giving you when you were praying in the storm cellar at three o'clock this afternoon. You asked me, or I told you I would give it to you, and this is it. So the minister didn't know anything about it and had to say, did the Lord speak to you today at three o'clock? Yeah, the Lord had been speaking to me about going to ministry, and he said that he would confirm it to me tonight. So that's supernatural. But that's something that that person already had in their spirit. Amen. Amen. So don't, don't be afraid of, you know, when I say that, don't be afraid of prophecy, though. I mean, the first time I had someone prophesy over me, I was not even born again. I had people show up my back door and start telling me about, it's like, who are you? And, you know, and start prophesying about the plan of God. And I'm like, oh, man. And... Uh, you know, one time I was in a service. This was um, 1991. And uh, I had a guy, I was, you know, I was just being nice to my mom and going to church with her. And, uh, <laughs> you know, <clears throat> so she said, uh, so I'm sitting there and I'm sitting on the back row. This minister, he starts ministering to people individually at the end. And that's when some people start getting nervous, you know. I was kind of getting nervous at that time. And he said, um, he called one person out that was actually like in my class in high school, called another girl out. Then me, I was in the back and I had these mints in my hand, certs. And I took a cert out and, and I was putting my, and he said, you, sir. And I just look up. He says, um, yeah, with the mints. I said, oh, no. <laughs> and um, he calls me up there. And he says, the Lord spoke to me about you. And, and um, my mom was probably back there just cheering, uh, you know. But anyway, he just said, um, you know, the Lord shows me that you, um, you, you, you like different things. Like my son, he'd like to do different things. But he said that, that one's going to take the backseat to the other. He said, you're going to preach the gospel. And uh, that was probably a quiet day for me. I didn't say anything to my mom. But... Um, 
That was in 1991, and it was probably 16 months before I got, gave my life to the Lord. And so um, there's been times, other times in my life, where those things will help steady you through the storms of life. And that's what a lot of times, and I believe it's twofold, the Lord, he'll give you a certain word to hold you steady for the time to come. But also then the, the devil, I believe he comes after that word, he hears that word, and then he wants to try to steal from you. But Paul said, he said, I fought a good fight. He said, I, I, I fought with the prophecies, a good warfare. What does that mean? The prophecies that come over you, you fight with those. When the enemy tries to tell you it's not, it will never come to pass. Amen. Fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. And then real quickly, uh, number seven, guidance through visions. And there's a lot more we could say about the other. Guidance through visions. The Lord may lead you through a vision and give you a vision. That's being led. Acts chapter 10. In verse 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. Now if you go and read him, what does he do? He gives him direction. Now they cannot preach the gospel. Angels don't preach the word. Men do that. But he gives him direction and he tells him what to do Call for Simon Peter, and he'll, you'll hear words. And so then the Lord speaks to, to um, Peter through a trance. And I don't have time to speak about this, but there's three kinds of visions. There's a, there's a spiritual vision, there's trances, and there's open visions. And Peter had a, a trance. The, the Bible actually says he fell over bodily. So... In that place, you don't even know where, where you are. Your, all your physical senses are suspended. He sees this thing, and then the Spirit of God says, there's three men that are seeking you right now. Go follow them, nothing doubting. How many know that's supernatural? <clears throat> and so you, the Lord speaks to Ananias. We see that in, in chapter 9, when, when Paul the Apostle I mean, remember when, when Paul the Apostle is there and it says that the Spirit of God came on him and he was blind for a season. It wasn't the devil that made him blind, but the Spirit of God came on him and, and for those three days he could not see. The hand of the Lord was upon him. And then we see that the Lord speaks to Ananias. He says, Ananias, I'm here, Lord. Go send. And, and he tells him to go down. And, and here's Saul of Tarsus. It says, behold, he prays. And he's seen in a vision a man coming down to lay hands on him. So he goes in there and he calls him Brother Saul. The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you in the way, he, he sent me 
to pray for you that you might receive your sight and that you might be filled with the Holy Ghost. So all that was supernatural. One of the things I want you to notice is that he, the Bible says that he was a disciple, not an apostle. Well, you know, if I'm going to be used to God, I must be a prophet. No, he said he was a disciple. Who's a disciple? A learner and a follower of the Lord. And so one of the things we realize is that angels can bring direction in life. So whatever it is that, one of the things that we have to always remember is we have the promise that God will lead us, but we don't have the promise of how he's going to do it. That's why I said, don't ever seek voices. Lord, just speak to me. I want to hear an audible voice. Well, you might hear one, all right, but it might be the wrong one. So what do you do? You have the, you have the promise from God that I'm going to be led by the Spirit as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. He bears witness with my spirit. So I have the right to claim that. However he does it is up to him. Lord, whatever way you want to do that is up to you. Hallelujah. But this is the, this is the greatest way to live. That's why it's a, just like when we pray in the Holy Ghost, the Bible tells us we speak mysteries unto God. The devil can't even hear it. So the devil can't even interfere with that. I have a supernatural hotline with the Holy Ghost as I pray. And I have a supernatural way of being led. See, it's supernatural and it also protects me. So the devil can't get in and interfere with that witness. He can come from without. He can speak to people's minds, but he can't overcome this. Can you say Amen. Hallelujah. Lord, we just thank you today for the privilege of being led by the Spirit. Father, we thank you for the privilege of, of knowing these things. And we're so thankful, Lord, that you've opened our eyes to your word. Lord, that your word is the sure foundation and it's the, Lord, it's the, 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 the rock that we stand on. And Lord, everything we judge is according to what the word says. Father, I just thank you for the inner witness today, that every person would begin to, to sense that inward witness like never before. We thank you for it, Lord, that you speak to people's hearts. In the name of Jesus.